Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy New Week to you. Monday, rainy in South Mississippi, wherever you're listening to us in Mississippi or even around the world. This is the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in downtown Laurel. Michael Mergen's producing today at the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Bob out today. Must be hanging out with some VVVIPs, but uh, we got it held down for you today. Good show for you today, of course. Kelly Sander will join us in the second uh, part of the program. My former uh, kicking mate, Darren McCaleb, will join us in the second segment and uh, going to talk a little Major League Baseball draft here in just a moment with uh, Pat McGee. But first and foremost, as always, first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a neighborhood near you. Dickie's serving up and cooking up the best meat around, whatever it would be that you like, pulled pork, brisket, ribs, sausage. It's all there at Dickie's Barbecue, and they can always cater your next event. And when you eat in the store, don't forget, they've got that fresh, awesome, soft-serve vanilla Ice cream makes me hungry just thinking about it. Dickie's cooked here, loved everywhere. We're going to kick off this week with uh, a little breaking news. Uh, the first Golden Eagle has been drafted in the 2021 Major League Baseball draft. And here to talk about that as well as just uh, overall what the Major League Baseball draft holds for other Golden Eagles and how it will impact the 2022 Major League Baseball. We go down to uh, to Hattiesburg to our, our guru, resident guru, analytic guru, Pat McGee, not the Patrick McGee from the coast, the other Pat McGee we've introduced you to all spring long. He joins us now, and uh, Pat, break it to us, man, who just got drafted. Yeah, well, it just happened about, I guess, 10 minutes ago. Reed Trimble uh, went 65th overall to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, It is a, I guess they call it a uh, compensation pick. It's in between uh, the second round and the uh, third round. So I think they kind of call it a sandwich pick just because it's sandwiched in between the two rounds. But, uh, yeah, another high pick uh, for Southern Miss baseball. I was just looking it up. The slot value is just over a million dollars. So, um, you know, assuming he's signed, he's going to have a uh, pretty nice payday. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way that, that you turn down that money. You're talking about a, a, a top, not only a – I think he was pegged in in ESPN as kind of around 149. So the Orioles uh, seeing right. the, the two-pop, two-way power, the, the pop that, that Trimble has. And, you know, we knew this was probably going to happen, Pat, but but it has happened. Reed Trimble, a top 65 uh, pick. And, and he's been kind of in what's talking about – he's probably one of the best power-speed combos in this draft. Yeah, I mean, if you read, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, these draft experts, that's kind of one of the things they said, um, along with him being a, you know, kind of a five-tool guy, you know, he has the hit tool, the power tool, he can run, he can field, so, you know, I was reading one uh, scout report said, you know, he really didn't have a whole lot of weaknesses in his game, and, you know, you kind of saw that uh, this past season with the uh, production he put up, so, 
yeah, I mean, with especially, you know, him doing what he did against uh, high-level competition like Ole Miss and Florida State, putting up those kind of numbers against uh, that competition, that really uh, put him up the draft boards, I think. If you're just joining us, if you didn't catch the ball Did to the Baltimore oh. Orioles, you there, Pat? Yeah, yeah, sorry, I hear you now. Yeah, for a second I couldn't hear you. I got you. Uh, Reed Trimble going 65th overall to the Baltimore Orioles, so uh, we assume with that value, uh, that slot being a little over a million dollars, his days as a Golden Eagle will come to an end. Uh, he he ends uh, in basically a season and a half, batting 335, 18 home runs, 84 uh, RBIs, uh, 16 doubles, 63 runs, and 80 yeah 84 ribbies. I I just said that. Let, let's talk about before we talk about uh, you know other Golden Eagles in this in this draft. What makes the the major league draft different? We're all accustomed to uh, you know uh, to having NFL draft parties and hanging out and doing that. The major league draft and it's evolved really because of COVID. Used to you'd have guys going in the thirty to forty rounds, but but only a three round ten today. But the major league draft is interesting and it's its its own event uh, in its own right. Yeah, well, it's different because you know someone was making the point last night with MLB or, or with NFL and NBA rather. And you're signing players, you know, based on their value. MLB, you know, one of the things that factors in is the signability. You know, can you sign a kid from their college commitment? So that kind of influences things a little bit in uh, Major League Baseball. And then plus you have the, um, you know, the added fact that a lot of these top prospects are from high school. So that makes it a little trickier uh, to kind of project, you know, with these players being kind of a lot of these young players. You know, you saw um, – so there are a couple of high school high school shortstops that went early, so it's kind of tough when these players are this young, you know, out of high school to project them. Whereas uh, NFL players are a little more uh, physically mature, and then uh, you know, like you said, it's twenty rounds, and in the end of the past, it's been forty rounds. So there's just a lot more, you know, in terms of players drafted, there's just a lot more than there is um, in NFL and 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 the NBA. So uh, I think it's a little trickier to evaluate players just because there's so many. But uh, it does make things, um, you know, kind of exciting because, you know, there's so many players from so many different schools that you've heard of. So that kind of makes it a unique event, I think. And it, it just shows you how good Reed Trimble is because with a more a larger player pool, fewer uh, draft picks, the fact that he would go at 65 just shows you the, the type of talent that, that he has. All right, let's talk about other Golden Eagles. You got uh, three round 10 today, a couple more Golden Eagles on the radar. One specifically you think might go today also. Yeah, I think Hunter Stanley has a pretty good chance uh, of going. If not late today, maybe early tomorrow. Um, typically in the draft, you see guys go, um, or these they call them senior signs. So basically, you know, good senior players that they can sign for cheap because they don't have any leverage left. So you know, they'll sign them for ten thousand or twenty thousand. And typically, those guys, um, those guys will go in the late day two, early day three. So that's kind of around eight to round twelve. Uh, type pick, so I would kind of be on the lookout later today or earlier tomorrow uh, to see Hunter Stanley go. And then you have uh, a signee from Ponchatoula, uh, Louisiana, uh, named Colin Husser. He's an outfielder. He's the guy that could go. I don't know if he'll go today. He may go, you know, may not be drafted at all. But he's a guy that's been ranked pretty highly on a couple uh, of boards. They say he's got good raw power. He's a right-handed outfielder. He's a guy that uh, could potentially uh, be taken, and you know, if he's a guy who makes it to campus, uh, you know, he's a player that can be drafted much higher in three years. What do you think about Ryan Ock? 
Yeah, that's a guy, you know, I haven't really seen him on the uh, on any of the draft boards, which is kind of surprising. You know, he's got a really good fastball, 91 to uh, 93 uh, from the left side. Got a lot of deception. I guess the only thing that um, that worries teams is, you know, in terms of breaking stuff, you know, he's really kind of a – he throws about fastballs, you know, about 90% of the time. So it could be a situation where teams are a little concerned about his off-speed stuff. Um, you know, he's a reliever, so not as much value as a starter. Um, you know, typically the team, they want to, you know, draft starters just because, you know, starters log more innings than relievers do. Um, so I think, you know, it's uh, like a little bit of reliever risk, a little bit of uh, questions about his off-speed stuff. Um, but obviously his fastball is, you know, really good. So if a team were to take him, they're going to look at that fastball and, uh, you know, kind of see they can work something around uh, or, you know, kind of, mold him into a, um, a complete pitcher, you know, with a really good fastball plus uh, adding some off-speed. Gabe Montenegro, of course, returning, so so he won't be drafted. Any any chance somebody gives Walker Powell a flyer or he gets picked up post-draft, or are there any other Golden Eagles you think that might get drafted late? I think Gabe Shepard is a possibility. I've seen him uh, pop up on a couple of boards. Um, you know, obviously we saw him at the end of 2019, you know, looking completely dominant. Then he had the injury, and he just hasn't fully recovered. But I think, you know, some of the teams, they look at what he did um, earlier in his career, and they're thinking, well, you know, if we can get him back to that, you know, he's a guy that could, uh, you know, become a really good pro. Um, so it's obviously a really high-risk, high-reward because um, you don't know how he's going to come back from that injury. Um, but he's a guy could possibly, probably not today, uh, he's a guy that could go late tomorrow. Uh, similar with Powell. I think if Powell were to go, uh, he would be late tomorrow, kind of in that 17th, 18th round, um, you know, on day three. 30 seconds. Uh, what does Reed Tremble, obviously not coming back next year, how does Southern Miss address that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be a situation where you uh, move Montenegro to center field and then, you know, you could kick Wilkes out to left field and keep Ewing and right. I mean, that's just kind of an early thought. I don't know how the staff uh, thinks the Montenegro in center field, but, I mean, that that could be a possibility, I think, just thinking about hey, Pat, it. Th- thanks for jumping on with us today. Congratulations uh, to Reed Trimble. And, man, thanks for your thoughts about the Major League Draft. Have a great Monday. All right, you too, Luke. Thanks. Pat McGee, you can follow him on Twitter, WP McGee. Baseball guru, this is June Guy good friend of the Eagle Hour. Appreciate his time today. Hey, we're going to take a break. Darren McCaleb, former All-American kicker for Southern Miss, my partner in crime during the glory days, joining us on the Eagle Hour. Don't go anywhere. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a rainy Monday. Appreciate Pat McGee talking us through the MLB draft. Congratulations again. Southern Miss COVID freshman outfielder Reed Tremble drafted 65th overall. 
just now, uh, about 15 minutes ago, to the Baltimore Orioles. And you're wondering, how can he be drafted? He's a freshman. He turned 21 uh, before, uh, I think, June the 15th was the day. And so he was a draft eligible. Would have been a, a, a true sophomore if it weren't for COVID. But Reed Tremble, the uh, newest member of the Baltimore Orioles uh, organization. And uh, that value slot's over a million dollars. So we uh, we wish him all the best as he will move on to a professional career. Eagle Hour, Luke Johnson in the First Bank Studios in downtown Laurel. Michael Mergens at the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg producing for us. Bob out. He'll be back tomorrow. And I am thrilled to be joined now with the pride of Diablerville, Mississippi, the left foot wonder, my former partner in crime, Darren McCaleb, former multi-year All-American kicker for the Golden Eagles, the South Pole of the Southern Miss Gulf Coast. Datmo, what's going on? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Good, good, to, good to hear from you. Man, glad you uh, you jumped on with us, and uh, you know this is kind of the dead dead time of the year for for you and me. It was not dead. What were we doing close to uh, twenty years ago? Right now, uh, trying to learn how to hit a golf ball <laughs> in the middle of the that's... summer. We would wake up. We would take one class, I guess, through the summer. I, that's all I would take, and uh, we would run. Whew, we were running the heat from. Uh, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then go to class and then um, lift weights at whatever schedule you, whatever you had. I can't remember what the summer was like. But um, then we'd try to go play golf or kick in a stadium or, I don't know, we did all kind of cool stuff back then, a lot less stressful. That's what I was alluding to. I wasn't wasn't, uh, exposing our our so-called laziness. I was hoping that you would say, yeah, we were in the rock or we were over at the practice field actually, you know, working out because it seems that – but you rolled in and you were one of those guys. uh, When when you came in, there was a battle really on all three uh, special teams. Me and another guy were battling out for for punter. You were in a battle for kicker. Of course, you were really one of the first guys in a while that had been signed as a specialist and then of course you know uh, deep snapper that year was kind of a revolving door till about four you know week get week uh, four but but man i remember that 2003 preseason leading up uh, to the conference championship and man we all just hit the ground really running you didn't really come in early like they do now you kind of got uh, got there late yeah well the thing that helped me was um back then it was voluntary to, uh, to come up during the summer a lot of a lot of players back then I mean, they took their friends for for the last summer. They're you know getting out of high school stuff. So me and Chris Roden got up there, and I got to uh, get in with Coach Dudley and, and work out. And because I was I was competing for that job and and uh, with Langley, and uh, luckily maybe I was hitting the weights a little bit in the harder than I would have if I would have stayed at home. So I won a job, and the rest was history. That first year, it was uh, you know for you, it was my third year there, but. But when you look at that, I mean, it was it was really unique for us because we had probably eight to ten specialists. But after right. that, there was only like four of us. You know, it was me, you, Barefoot, and Daigle, and then Cody Tywater showed up as a snapper. But that first year, we had we had like it was like a normal year. Now you had like three or four kickers, three or four punters, and right. several deep snappers. And that was a real. We look back at that. That wasn't normal for us because we really never had that the rest of our career. Yeah, it was it was cool. We had a little. Niche family, you go to you know Alabama. You go to their home game. They got fourteen kickers warming up. It was weird, you know, a lot different. I guess you know Coach Bauer didn't didn't offer a lot of 
locker space for special teams. <laughs> he had what he wanted. Well, he had what he wanted, and you know we were we were a good squad. And and that first year we won the, the championship. I didn't hold for you, but I held uh, the next year for you. And that was uh, that 2004. You were perfect, uh, you know, until the bowl game. A lot of things about that bowl game were hilarious. People don't know that I almost <laughs> fell into the Mississippi River on game day. You remember that, don't you? <laughs> I knew. I don't know which day it was, but that, yeah, that was, we almost lost you under. Took might have sucked you under. <laughs> We laugh about it now. What, what people don't realize that there. kickers do is, we went. What, it was uh, we went down. I think it was. It had to been game day. We went and ate it at the uh, ate beignets at Cafe Dumont, and yeah. that's what kickers do. And you remember th- the next year we were in Marshall, and we went across the street and played guitars in in that big pawn shop across from the hotel. Right, right, right. Yep. Good times, man. I was. <laughs> it, it goes by fast. I can't believe that's twenty years ago. Unreal. It is, man. It, it it really is. But but you were one of those guys, uh, you were known for uh, just being clutch. Uh, you won several games. We were reminiscing off air. We, we won that big game at, at Cincinnati. But we also won that game at, at Marshall my senior year in, in overtime. And, and uh, what was it about, you know, you and your mindset where you were able to make the big kick at the big time? Well, I think in, in any sport, if you, if you practice and get yourself prepared um, for that time, your preparation is everything. And I don't want the feeling of that. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Anyway, it's scary <laughs> until you see the see the ball going through the uprights. It's uh, it's downright frightening. But uh, you know, no guts, no glory. You know, all kickers and quarterbacks is all eyes on them. So you better you better be ready. You know, you signed up for it. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly right. You you are unique in the fact that there's not that many left-footed kickers. We see a little more now, but. You know, mm-hmm. was, did you just take joy in that being like one of the few South Pauls at your craft? I had really never crossed my mind. Uh, I don't know; it's just regular to me. And you know, I'm it's weird. All my major sports, I do everything left-handed. I bat, I bat left-handed. I throw left-handed, but I do everything in life right-handed. That's it's kind of strange, but uh, it it kind of stinks uh, growing up when you don't have a lot of money. You don't get any hand-me-down golf clubs and stuff, and gloves and all kind of stuff. So, it's, <laughs> if you want to start playing golf, especially my family uh, didn't play golf, so I couldn't afford clubs until I got to college. I mean, you start hitting the ball around, you know. But uh, it's it's yeah, cool being is, lefty. A lot, a lot of people say they like the way lefties uh, kick and throw and and uh, hit a golf ball. So I don't know. I just it's always been normal to me. This is the man that taught me how to play golf, listeners. Uh, but it, but I, I couldn't. I learned from him, but he was from the opposite side. So it was just about me trying to mirror what he did. But but Darren, so many people don't see. They only see the season. They only see the ball games. They don't understand what goes on. We were laughing. Uh, people don't know this story. We would we would uh, share hotel rooms. You and I were were uh, roommates on the road. We were roommates during. Uh, two a days, we played a lot of Tiger Woods golf on the PlayStation, and oh, yeah. uh, there was actually a story where I snuck around. You were on the phone or something, and I speared you in a hotel room. And you can tell the rest <laughs> of the story what happened with the bed. Uh, did we break it? I, I can't even remember. You remember the mattress flipped up on top of us, and we were oh, laying yeah, up yeah. against the wall. And yep. Sure did, yep. But good times back then, man. But people never see that side. You know what I'm talking about? People never know those things. You remember how superstitious we were? I always had the beds by the by the window. Every 
how many times we 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 probably stayed with each other forty times. You know, you're one year ahead of me, but uh, man, what would you do to go back, huh? We didn't know what we had. What would you do? You would always walk in that room, you would throw your stuff down, and you would immediately start making coffee that you would take three sips out of, and then you would never drink any of it the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. The only time I drink coffee, though, I, don't even, I still don't drink coffee. I don't know why. I drink coffee on vacations. And I don't know. I'm a weirdo. Well, you know us kickers. We're weird. We're, we're weird. Punters are people, too. All right, uh, about a minute and a half left. I'm just going to ask you a, a few specific questions about your career. Best moment as a Golden Eagle? Uh, beating the Cornhuskers in Lincoln, Nebraska. Pretty cool. You hit three that day, right? Hit three in the first half, yeah. It was a, it was a fun day. I like playing. I always played better in, in the daytime, too. It was cool. You know, getting back on the plane, going back to Hattiesburg, it's still sunlight. I always like that. Next biggest one. kick as a Golden Eagle. Biggest kick as a Golden Eagle. Probably the Marshall game winner or uh, – that's a good question. Uh, East Carolina when I was a uh, – as a senior. No, I lost. we lost that game. That's probably my, the one I wish I could have back. It was 47-yarder. And if I'd have made it, we wouldn't have went to overtime and lost. But it was in the – it was an early fourth quarter, but I still blame myself. <clears throat> and what else you got? Hardest kick as a Golden Eagle. Hardest kick was when I was a freshman, 45-yarder against UAB in, uh, into the wind. Pretty good wind going towards the locker room, and I hit a perfect cut shot right through the wind, and um, I made it by probably 18 yards. I, I, I hit that one good. Even Coach Bauer said something about that, but, I liked it. I thought you were going to say when uh, when my senior year at Alabama when they turned the sprinklers on on us and we were in a flood plane out there kicking off the right hash. <laughs> That's a sore subject. I missed that field goal, so I wasn't too happy with that. <laughs> we, uh, you know Alabama's going to do everything they can to win. Alabama can't lose uh, That's us. exactly right. <laughs> You're on the Gulf Coast, and uh, we appreciate your time today, Darren. Thanks for hopping on with us and uh, reminiscing. Thank you, Luke, man. Good to see you. Hope everything's good. Yeah, brother, good to talk to you. That's Darren McCaleb, former All-American Southern Miss kicker for the football team, my partner in crime. I am honored and pleased to have held for one of the best ever. Hey, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we get back here on the Eagle Hour, Kelly Sander joins us. Stick with us. Southern Miss to the top. Always a joy to visit with my former partner in crime, Darren McCaleb, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, one of the best ever. Uh, 70, right at 78% field goal uh, percentage. Only missed six extra points in four years, accounted for 345 points. Uh, from 03 to 06, of course, a, a Conference USA champion with myself back in uh, 2003. Anyway, I appreciate Darren's time and also uh, Pat McGee joining us talking MLB draft in the first segment. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you 
every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, the 895 lunch. You know it, on the docket every single day. Go to their Facebook page, great place uh, to get the menu, great place also uh, to, to see what's going on at 4th Street Bar and Grill. should also mention, because we got to Darren so quick in the second segment, uh, that's that segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Starting to release some of that football swag, football gear. So uh, go to their website, campusbookmark.net, or go see them in store on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Luke and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly Sander joins us. And, and Kelly, uh, Reed Trimble, 65th overall to the Orioles today. A over $1 million uh, value slot i mean that's that's huge obviously for reed i mean that's a mississippi kid who only played a season and a half of of uh, baseball in college that's huge for the state of mississippi huge for northwest Rankin, but it's huge for southern miss because we're we're putting that type of baseball player into professional baseball yeah for sure and and i just a postscript to your mccaleb interview if i'm not mistaken luke isn't he like the only left-footed place kicker in the modern era at Southern Miss. Did we have any other left-footed kickers? He was left-footed. Not right? that I can think of. Yeah, he was a southpaw. Yeah, yeah, and you just you don't see left. And I don't know why you don't see as many left-footed kickers as you do right-footed kickers. I guess maybe it's the same as why more people throw right-handed than left-handed. But uh, yeah, especially being left-footed, it kind of for the holder, it kind of. Messes things up. They're used to working with right well, guys. Well, it was easier for me to hold for a lefty because when I went to the Lions and and I held for Matt Prater, but even in college, it was harder for me to hold for barefoot than it was for McCaleb. And I think it was because I was spinning with my right with my uh, with my left hand and holding with my right hand for Darren versus the other way. So I actually learned to hold for a lefty first, and holding for a righty was a little more challenging. And was it that big of a deal if the laces weren't to the front? I mean, they let you know about it, but Darren, Darren, and Barefoot were one of those guys. I mean, they were, you know, they just kicked it regardless. But yeah, I mean, for more than anything, you wanted them to see the backside of that ball because it instilled confidence at the last second. I got gotcha. you. Okay, well, that I just got thinking about that. Of all, and we've had some good kickers over the years too, but I didn't remember ever remember another lefty besides uh, McCaleb. But anyway, back on the subject at hand, Reed Trimble. Yeah, he was a, a supplemental pick. Uh, in, in the draft, and of course, when you look at his statistics last year, 17 homers, 72 RBIs, a batting average of 3.45, and yeah, that that supposed net worth of where he was taken in the draft, Major League Baseball estimates it just just a tick above one million dollars, and that always seems to be kind of the magic number, you know, as to whether a kid is signable or not. I don't know. What the difference is psychologically, if nothing else, as from one million dollars to nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine ninety-nine. But if that is indeed the case, then Trimble is certainly at that figure. What makes his drafting so really noteworthy as well is remember Trimble signed late at Southern Miss. He was supposed to play at Pearl River, which Pearl River, in its own right, is a highly regarded junior college program, but that's where he was set to go before some things shook out at Southern Miss, which left an opening for him. And you talk about a guy that took advantage of the opportunity when he got it. I mean, here was a guy out of high school who thought he was going the junior college route. And again, I don't ever want to undersell the junior college, the, the junior college route because 
In junior college, you're draftable at any time, right? Where in usually, aside from COVID, you have to wait a certain period of time in Division One before you get drafted. So he was going to go the junior college route and then winds up at Southern Miss, plays one year, and boom. Now he's potentially a millionaire. So good for him. And as of now, they're just in the middle of the third round right now, so they've still got a long way to go today. Um, the the second through the tenth rounds will be held today, and then tomorrow the eleventh through the twentieth rounds, and then that's it. You remember the major league draft used to be forty rounds; it's now just twenty. Um, so they've got a little bit of work to do today. But as of this moment, Trimble is the only conference USA play, the only conference USA player to have been taken in the draft. So that speaks yeah, that's highly wild to me. Yeah, for him as well. So how about that? Is is uh, this week almost like Christmas season for for John Carter? Is, is this like analytics uh, birthday party? It's a lot of fun for him. I know it was a full day yesterday. I checked in with him. He was up about six o'clock uh, yesterday morning, and they were he, he and some other members of the Twins organizations were, were going to watch the the futures uh, the futures game, and then of course the draft didn't start until last night. So it's, it's been a long it's been a long night, but. Um, and I asked him, I said, who do the Twins have their eyes on? And to show you how dedicated he is, he goes, we've we got one of about five guys. But he said, Dad, I can't even tell you. So, um, but they did, they did get one of their guys, a right-handed pitcher, a high school kid. Um, but it's, it's just so interesting to me how, you know, pitchers and catchers, and anybody that doesn't think catchers are important, of course, a catcher was the number one pick last night. When you look at catchers who, who play professional baseball then go on to be managers in the major leagues, you know that, that position has the highest winning percentage of any other player that makes the transition from player to manager. Catchers, by far, statistically make the best managers in the major leagues. But yet, Luke, when you ask kids today what position they want to play, almost always catcher is among the last ones they want to play. I was a catcher. You know, well, and, and you were a big guy, you know, you were, and you're tough, but I'm just saying, kids these days, for whatever, they don't want to catch. And, again, everything is numbers in the major leagues. Statistically, that's the quickest way to the major leagues. You can be an above-average catcher and be taken highly in the draft because there are so and not few really, n- not really have a, that great of a stick. Now, if you have a stick and you have defense, you're going to the major leagues quick. But I mean, yeah, you can, I think, how many catchers in, in history have hit below two two sixty five and have and played a, consistently was, for a long time? A kid out of Summerall a couple of years ago who went on to play at, at uh, Pearl River, Graham Crawford. There's a guy that hits with power from both sides, right? You know, switch hitter, power from both sides, and base stealing ability and a cannon of an arm. I mean, I, I really look for good things for him. You know, in in the future, wherever he winds up. Yeah, catchers. Catchers are, that's the position now. That's the red-hot position that everybody wants. And, of course, then pitching. But when you look at any team and building the strength of a team, it's going to be up the middle. It has to be pitchers, catchers, middle infielders, and the center fielder. No disrespect to the other yeah. positions because they're all important. But in particular, if you're going to build a championship team, that's where you have to start is building it up the middle. Well, that, that's the, the, the point that you make is, is, is very, very understandable. Because, I mean, even as a, a high school catcher, 
I mean, I, I I was responsible for knowing six or seven guys, and there would be time where they would let me call the game. I mean, I called the game in, in high school, and then you're setting the defense, and the coach is probably signaling in the defense, but it's understanding what's going on. So it's I'm responsible for all the uh, six infield positions, and and not just my particular one, you know, as a shortstop or or as a first base. And I'm I'm making calls on throws in from the outfield, and so I mean, I get that, and I mean, just in the in the last five years, but and especially in the last 10 years, how the game has evolved so much, makes perfect sense. So when you get a guy coming up, you know, that can can hit the ball like a Buster Posey who's having a, uh, a, a like almost second wind in his career this year or a guy like Yadi Molina that's been there forever, all they really ask out of catchers is to play defense and to manage a pitching staff. And, man, if you got a guy that can hit 15 to 20 home runs a year, he's going to be an all-star. Yeah, the kid with the Royals, well, I say kid. Everybody's a kid compared to me, but he's, he's certainly a seasoned veteran now. Is it the Perez, uh, the the catcher for the Kansas City Royals? I mean that guy, Salvador Perez, yeah, yeah, Salvador Perez. That guy's still hitting fifteen to twenty dingers a year and throwing about ninety percent of the runners out. You know, but yet you don't hear a whole lot about about those guys. The point is, is if you're you know if you're a above average catcher, you're going to get paid just because the, the competition isn't as stiff. There just aren't that many and guys it, out. It shows there. you. It shows you when I was playing uh, baseball at, at Southern Miss. There was a guy we had behind the plate. I was playing football, not baseball. I was playing football. Brad Wilcutt, who is a top five hitter in Southern Miss history. I mean, you look at doubles, home runs, RBIs, hits. He's, he started behind the plate for like three or four years. And so you got a guy behind the plate that hit 10 to 15 home runs a year. He batted 330, and he drove in like 50 RBIs. And you had that guy in your lineup. And that, that, is, that is why... When you're productive across the board and you have a catcher that hits like that, you're going to hit, you know, close to, to 80 or 90 home runs a year as as a squad. So anyway, all this started with Reed Trimble going 65th overall today, first Golden Eagle, first Conference USA a player off the board, a little over a million-dollar value slot, and uh, hopefully he'll sign and, and continue uh, a great, uh, what will be a great career. So congratulations to uh, Reed Trimble and everybody that gets drafted today. Hey, we'll step aside. Kelly and I chew the fat, shoot the bull. Got some interesting things to talk about right after this commercial break as the Eagle Hour continues. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Monday brought to you by DBAT, D1 Training in Hattiesburg. Always something going on at those two fine businesses, places to get you, your family, your kids involved, develop them into the next Reed Trimble. DBAT and D1 Training there for you. The website is dbathattiesburg.com, and they're located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Luke and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly Center continues with us on the phone. Kind of the last bookend thing we should mention, uh, Kelly, is mentioned earlier that, that Reed Trimble, the reason he can be drafted as a COVID freshman is because he turned fifth, or turned 21 before June the 15th, so he's draft eligible. Most of the time you have to play uh, three years in college until you're, you're draft eligible. But, you know, 
people out there might say, you know, he could come back, get more experience. And when people say that, Kelly, they're really operating off of a NFL draft or a football mindset because in Major League Baseball, the, quote, development, they aren't looking for it, uh, you know, at the, at the highest level like an NFL team is because there's no such thing as minor league football. Right. So, they're, so they would be – they want him now. Right, and I know people would say, "Well, if he's worth that much as a freshman, what would he be worth as a senior?" Well, if he doesn't sign, and of course we don't know if he will, but a million dollars does seem to be that that magic line that we talked about. But if he doesn't sign, then he's taking a, he's taking a chance at potentially being injured, you know, in the future, which certainly would lower his draft stock as he went forward. But he's also getting older. I mean, that's overstating the obvious, but I'm just saying in baseball. If they can draft a 17-year-old or a 24-year-old, which is what Trimble would be if he you know, followed the course of school and graduated as a senior, he'd be 24 as far as eligibility goes. Well, then by then, that's, he's long in the tooth by then as far as drafting guys go. So you would think that you know, it's something he and his family are going to have to, and his agents will have to navigate through. But I'm just saying it's not as easy as just sticking around a couple of more years thinking your value is going to go up. Because there's a lot of other things um, at risk, so we'll see, you know, how that develops. And other things, Luke, going on a little bit about a lot of things. Southern Miss in track and field has gotten a, a signature on the commitment line from Brennan Williams, who was a standout hurdler out of Vicksburg. There was some thought that uh, he was going to be headed to some SEC schools, one down in uh, Louisiana in particular. But Brennan Williams headed to Southern Miss uh, to run track and field. For the Eagles. Also from the National Football League, the Washington Redskins have said today they are not going to be called the Warriors. That is a name that has been definitely eliminated, according to team ownership. They said in light of, uh, of recent events the last couple of years, the team felt it was best to cut all ties to Native American imagery. And that's a quote, all ties to Native American imagery. So the Washington football team will not be called the Warriors. And out of professional wrestling, I always kind of hesitate there so the people can kind of snicker or laugh if they would like to. <laughs> However, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, has died. He died this morning. Uh, Paul Orndorff was the, one of the original nemesis of uh, Hulk Hogan when Hulkamania became popular back in the day with the WWF and now WWE. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff has died. And a little side note, Paul Orndorff. He was originally uh, drafted into the NFL in 1973 by none other than the New Orleans Saints as a standout player out of the University of uh, Tampa. Led Tampa to a Tangerine Bowl victory in uh, 73, then played half a season with the Saints before they cut him in uh, 73, and then certainly made a very good living in professional wrestling. But um, there's another wrestler that's gone perhaps a little bit too soon. Mr. Wonderful. Paul Parlett Orndorff Jr. Yeah, he always F and WCW. Yeah, he always did the thing where he'd be in the, the, the beauty shop or the barber shop or whatever you want to call it, and he'd have one woman manicure in this hand, and he'd have another one on this hand, and somebody doing his hair, and of course, bossing everybody around. And they're, yes, Mr. Wonderful. Yes, Mr. <laughs> he, he played like the heel. I kind of like yeah. how uh, people supposed to treat you out out in Hattiesburg, Kelly. Hey, uh, before we uh, before we wrap, a little th- bit of respect, go ahead. Though. 
I was just I treat him with a little yeah. bit of respect, though. Yeah. Not like Mr. Wonderful. Just no. a little bit. Yeah. Forgot to mention this. Want to mention this. May uh, may talk about this uh, a little more. History made this weekend regarding uh, Southern Miss uh, golf. Valentina Hopped, who just graduated, yeah. uh, became yeah. the first ladies Golden Eagle to ever play in an LPGA event. Just missed the cut. She shot 72-72, missed the cut uh, by two strokes. But, I mean, that that is history in the making, and, and we may talk about that later on in this week. But Valentina Hopp, recent graduate, finished her Southern Miss career uh, just uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, and teed it up in a professional tournament, the first ever yeah. Lady Eagle golfer. That That's pretty amazing, Kelly. How competitive is pro golf when you shoot even par two consecutive days and miss the cut? I'm not even, yep. I'm not even talking being on the leaderboard. You just missed the cut by two shots. Man, you got to be really, really good. More importantly, she finished her Southern Miss academic career with a 3-9 GPA. Go get them, Valentina. That won't be your last tournament, and we will be cheering for you in your next. Appreciate Pat McGee and Darren McCaleb for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Bob will be back same time. Look forward to talking Southern Miss with all of you then. Until tomorrow, Southern Miss. To the top. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.